0: All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. Today, we are really excited to have Jennifer Murray from Onboard Solutions with us. And uh, we're going to be getting into the topic of onboarding today and the importance of that. But we're so excited to have you on the show. Um, Why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: It's my pleasure. I'd like to start with right out of college when I couldn't get a job because a lot of recent college grads can probably relate to that it hasn't changed from the time that i exited the university world and tried to get my first job and i struggled to get that first job but through networking i was given the opportunity to interview with AT&T mm-hmm. and landed in their training program that took me through 90 days of training which was extremely robust and Typical of some of the really large organizations back then. But since then, a lot of organizations have pared back on investing in training programs. So I feel like they created a huge value Mm -hmm. in their employees by pouring into them with training and development from the day we started and throughout our journey. I stayed with ATT for about 10 years. Then I moved on to Cisco Systems. Same thing. They invested a lot in us with training programs and mentoring programs, employee resource groups, just really strong culture and investment in people. Mm -hmm. So, in both of those organizations, I had the opportunity to work in sales, sales leadership. Employee development, training, and so on. I had a great career until I decided that it was time to focus on small business and work in a small. I actually took a job with my brother in a small boutique insurance agency, and I led the employee benefits team where we were outsourced HR for many of our clients and also help them build a really strong total compensation package. And then COVID changed my course because a lot of our small businesses really needed help navigating the ever-changing legislation and compliance. Then they needed help trying to retain their employees since the great resignation was going on. Then they needed help recruiting new team members to fill those gaps and felt it was really challenging to compete with big organizations. So I moved off on my own to just focus on primarily those areas, creating a recruiting strategy, bringing folks in with a really strong onboarding program, and then retaining them for the long term. So that's what brings me here today.
0: Oh, that's great. So important. Thanks for sharing.
2: That's all the, so do you think that when it comes to the comparison between large corporations and small, with big corporations being able to really apply a lot of time and resources to these 60, 90 day programs training new new people, how are smaller companies able to compete with that? and is that something obviously that you're going in and helping them make it as robust as it can be without because i know a lot of small businesses are going to struggle with 60 90 days worth of training for new employees so what what are you able to really realistically achieve with a with a smaller company
1: i bring a lot of those tools and frameworks to those smaller organizations and they work the same it may be shorter than 90 days. It may not. It, it really depends on the complexity of the roles and the complexity of the organization. Mm. But we can use all of the same tools and create amazing cultures and compete for talent.
0: Have you seen, I mean, we talk about employee experience and what you just talked about, you know, we had the great resignation and then we've had just, it just Mm -hmm. kind of interesting cycles of people trying to figure out where they fit in the workforce now, Um, hybrid workforce, remote workforce. I want less hours. I want, you know, I want more, (laughs) um, you you know, uh, mission behind what I do. I mean, there's so many things that I think COVID impacted in our workforce and our corporate cultures and things like that. So, you know, how impactful is onboarding to that employee experience, you know, things like retention or growth or um or like you said even recruiting?
1: That's a great question. I'm sure you have heard horror stories. Mm-hmm. Because onboarding actually makes or breaks the length of The employee journey with Mm. that organization. So, companies that invest in a plan and a program around bringing people in through the recruiting process and then smoothly transitioning them to the organization and helping them connect their role with the greater mission of the organization and ensuring that their values align with. The values of the organization, when they select them, all of these things are so important in developing a team that will stay with you for the long term. The flip side is if you're not doing that, it's extremely costly. Mm-hmm. The, tur- the cost of turnover is expensive and it brings down morale. Right, so it's a win-win to invest in that early engagement during the applicant attraction phase, and then throughout the onboarding phase.
0: I mean, it it seems so obvious, you know, to me. Like when you think about, you want to have—that's your first impression. That's your the first impression. Mm -hmm. Employees are—they are the most important. I mean, I hate to even say resource, but they're the most important resource that you have in an organization. You can have a product that is stellar, but it's really the people in your organization that are going to take it to the next, next level, right? So, why why do you think people struggle in in investing upfront in that employee experience?
1: A lot of times, small businesses are somewhat more reactive than proactive. And if they stopped and looked at, if they have the tools to look at turnover and the tools to discover what the expense is to their organization, they're more likely to discover that they have to slow down and create a plan. So that they can stop that turnover cycle. Mm-hmm. It's in in many cases, individuals are wearing many hats, right? And so this one hat is is hard to put on and stay focused with for a period of time to build out the program.
0: Yeah, more with less. I mean, yeah. How long have we been mm-hmm. here, right? All of us. Do more or less, do more or less. And now it's like, it's getting to the point where some, like you're kind of cutting into the bone at this point with more or less. (laughs)
2: That's a great point. Yeah. So another question I had for you, especially, because this has been a a big hurdle for a lot of companies now, is addressing the integration of various generations in the workforce. So how has that impacted onboarding from your perspective?
1: Connecting with different generations means using different communication methods. It also addresses the needs of folks that are no longer coming into the office. So you've got multiple generations working in a hybrid environment in many cases, and you need to put some practices in place to stay connected. hmm And what that means to a boomer is much different than what it means to many Generation Z team members. So ensuring that you're communicating in different methods, and different uh, ways with each of your team members, regardless of what generation they're representing or they fall into, the bottom line is staying connected mm-hmm. and understanding how they prefer to communicate and having some tools that help you communicate with the younger generation, the, the digital generation, right?
0: Yeah, very much. Yeah. I think we were just talking about that the other day where a client was trying to figure out how to get information out to the workforce and, um, they kind of are traditional and that they send a, the long emails, uh, you know, and think that all the employees are going to click on that and read through paragraphs of, you know, company updates and, and and things like that. And, you know, one of the things Terry and I were talking about is you might have to think about kind of a TikTok style, like you don't have to dance, you don't have to sing, but people are so used to now seeing video and like a quick snippet, just a quick hit, and you might need to do like more pulse messaging. And I think what's interesting about that is then talking to the client, other i say just other maybe older uh more mature people within the organization like myself Virgin gen xer um that actually appealed to them as well because they're like you know what we're not opening those either because we are doing more with less and because we are with mm-hmm. teams we have emails that come out we have our own forums within a company and so a quick hit video on what's going on this week with the company or this particular topic or something seemed to appeal to everybody so like but I but I agree. Like it's the the root thing is is communication. If you can find that communication, that succinct communication, and the ability to just kind of pulse information out there, the more we talk, the more we communicate, the more the more I think we're going to advance.
1: And it might be different modes. You you vary the different modes to convey the same message, so that it does meet each individual where they are.
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, and it allows everybody to. To pick up on the, their preference, because that's one of the things that as soon as you conform to only one form of communication, you, know, you maybe have that resonate with a certain number, a certain group. But outside of that, nobody else is looking. So keeping that adaptability or integrating various components or different ways to reach everyone, I think is absolutely critical.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great point. Great point.
1: Think about how we're consuming information now. That's so different than when I started at AT and T. Podcasts are so efficient. I can go outside for a walk. I can get on a treadmill. I can garden, and at the same time, learn something through a podcast. As an example,
2: yeah,
1: right.
0: It's kind of how this one was born. Honestly, you know, during during COVID, people wanted information and they wanted to consume it differently and so you know shooting video for some people was a good way but we found that podcasting was so uh flexible for different people for more for for a broader, broader audience and it's like now everybody's like following different podcasts and you know audiobooks or even like little audio audio snippets and things like that youtube is now getting in the podcasting game because so many people are used to you know having that 30 minutes to hour consumption of something, you get the information and you can move on to another topic. And you can do it from your car or like you said, from the garden um, or the workout room where Terry spends his time. Unfortunately, I probably spend most of mine uh listening here behind this desk. But <laughs> well,
2: I always found it interesting watching the different generations try to adapt during COVID to getting onto camera. That alone was a huge hurdle for many people because just turning on your camera makes you feel self-conscious because then all kinds of things started to show up or didn't and people would avoid the cameras at all costs. But it was interesting to watch. Perhaps younger generations coming out oh, yeah, I video myself all the time. Boom, we're in. Let's go. And others be like, oh, yeah, no, I'm good. Yeah, this is a great experience here on camera. I I love it. And you could see how uncomfortable and or comfortable different generations had been just with trying to utilize and communicate remotely.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, you know, we, we were kind of talking about, I mean, this is really, really important uh obviously i mean it's kind of obvious to me you know your first experience coming in uh to an organization what i like what you really said is that you can then link that to other support things like mentorship ergs um mission vision and so on and so forth i mean who really wants to be like a lost babe in the woods (laughs) you you know when you first come into an organization i mean that's just a horrible feeling so so it's you know it's very critical what you talked about but what does what does success look like? And how have you seen this kind of adopted by the successful leaders? And then I'm going to ask the inverse of that of what happens when leaders don't really support the onboarding and in, in your experiences and 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 what's kind of the difference between the two?
1: A successful plan is a plan that number one, all parties are aware of. So the new team member is set up for success with information before they ever walk through the door. The hiring manager is there on time, ready to greet the new team member. The credentials are planned in advance so that this individual has access to all of the software that he or she needs access to right out of the gate. The hardware is available and ready. The desk space, if it's an in-person experience, is prepared. It's not cluttered and dusty from the last person that left. So all of these things point to awareness of what the plan is, as well as creating the plan what does day one look like from the time that individual comes in until the time that that individual leaves with the goal of having that individual feel like i belong here this was a great first day i can't wait to show up tomorrow and tomorrow should continue with the same type of experience it shouldn't fall off after day 1 it's not about showering the person with a lot of attention on day 1 and then sending them off <laughs> to do the job mm-hmm. there's a lot more support and and management check-ins and plans around job shadowing that are crucial to make the days that follow And the weeks that follow, meaningful and successful.
0: I would enjoy that experience, certainly. I think when when I've gone into organizations, it's like, here's your badge. I don't know if your login works. (laughs) It's such a bad impression, you know, you have somebody that shows up or doesn't show. But they don't feel like they've joined
2: anything at that point. They just feel like they're wandering around by themselves. There's nothing. no worse feeling in the world. You're already nervous being in a new location, new people. If an effort isn't made to integrate, say, hey, this is how we do things. Can't wait to have you help us do that. I mean, that's a horrible feeling for whoever it is that's coming in new.
1: Harry, to your point, I have talked to numerous individuals who started with, with that lousy experience. The first yeah. thing they do when they're sitting idle is they go to their, their phone. device, yeah, and they uh-huh. start hunting for the next job.
2: <laughs> no, I'm not surprised, and it's so easy to do. They don't even have to wait till the end of the day. <laughs> That's right.
0: Well, the technology is in your hands, and I mean, I think mm-hmm. when you think of that from as a business leader standpoint, it almost makes me like queasy to my stomach to think that. I mean, there's a startup investment cost with recruiting somebody, the prep that goes into it before they even walk through your doors. Um, There's a cost to that, and it's not an insignificant cost. And to think that because I wasn't committed to their experience coming on board, or maybe it's that I am committed, but I don't have somebody like you, Jennifer, to help guide Mm -hmm. me, understand and build the infrastructure out and the planning out to make it uh, something that's sustainable and consistent. The fact that somebody could then, by the end of day one, be on their phone, going on Indeed or whatever it is, or or LinkedIn, and already be thinking about leaving, and then the cost of that turnover that you're talking about earlier, like, almost makes me queasy. Like, I think anybody who is leading a business listening to this right now probably has the same feeling, because that doesn't have to happen.
2: You're right. It's well, the old it adage, isn't it? Wait. You have you the same thing as with body language. You know, if you're going to hear one thing, but you see something else, you're going to believe what you see. So if you've been telling someone all the way through that process of getting them to take the job that we're a great culture, we're a great fit, we're, you know, we're all about team, we're all about support, then they arrive on the first day and they're just sort of left to their own devices. They're going to believe exactly what you've shown them in that first. So it just goes to to, I think, underscore the importance of having that, that plan and that continuation of what was hopefully a Reasonably positive experience through the interview process before actually taking the job.
0: Yeah,
1: and if you're creating a culture that's trusted, it needs to align with what you heard during the interview process.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yep. All, all, all substance or or what all all show no substance. You know, if you if you don't. Hmm. What um. So Jennifer. I'm a small business, you know, we have a lot of small businesses or leaders that listen to this podcast. So what are the steps? You know, we reach out to you, we say, we get it. We want to have that great experience. We want a lower turnover. We're working on our culture. We're we're being very um, intentional about our people's strategy. So I pick up the phone and call you. What's sort of your process?
1: I start with where they are today. Walk me through your process as a brand new team member. And what does that look like? What does that feel like? And how do you want it to feel? What is the ideal scenario? And we can create a path to get there. Sometimes it's automating some steps, and that's a big improvement. Using software that they've already invested in and just haven't maximized the potential of it, which is a really great scenario. They're paying for this platform. It has these capabilities, they just haven't turned them on. And as a result, the experience is lackluster. So that's a piece of it, using technology to automate the onboarding program. Another part of it is looking at the job descriptions for the people that are coming in and ensuring that all of the training experience is going to set them up for success and help them be really productive early on rather than muddling through outdated job aids and resources to try to figure it out. So we need to build out a support structure to help those folks ramp up quickly and then it becomes more of a training program and employee enrichment opportunities for the longer term so we again we can't drop off after day one we can't drop off at the end of the onboarding program it needs to continue for the employee life cycle.
0: Yeah, because you go from you go from onboarded to I guess tenured employee relatively quickly. Yes.
1: <laughs> and another big piece of the early engagement is looking at data if if they are collecting any kind of surveys mm-hmm. from the organization to get an idea of where the pain points are at a minimum. We need to do a new hire survey understand what the recent experience has been for new hires. We want to hear from their managers on what their experience has been with the new people coming in and pull all that data together to and
2: create a program that closes the gaps. Makes sense. Do you feel like some of those steps are things that small businesses could take literally this afternoon to start reassessing perhaps what they may or may not? already be doing for onboarding?
1: They they can. I think the survey piece is really easy to implement. However, from my experience, not enough organizations are doing it. It's that one more thing. It's on the list and they'll get to it at some point. So usually I come in and and that is one of the early deliverables, let's create a survey, let's implement the survey, let's collect the data and start from there.
2: I bet it it helps a lot of small businesses hold themselves accountable. Because you're right. There's a for any small business, there's a long to-do list every single day. And what's one of the first things and easiest things to push out of the way? It's the ironically one of the most important elements. So I can see how having you there to say, what well, you know, let's let's focus some of our resources and attention on this would be so important. And it doesn't matter what size the business is.
1: You're absolutely right. I have talked to people very recently who are in huge multinational organizations and some of them are not investing in the onboarding program and they're not getting it right which goes back to my the reason my why why i'm here is because i believe small organizations can compete for talent and have Mm -hmm. a lot of assets and and um value to bring to their team members.
0: Yeah, that's actually interesting that you say that, uh, Jennifer, because I have seen several really talented people that I know who are in big global organizations, leave those organizations and go to small businesses or startups. And when I talk with them, almost overwhelmingly, it's because they want a different culture, They want to feel that they are a part of the solution, that they're really making a difference, they're a part of the team, and that they're contributing. And that's kind of, like Mm -hmm. you said, your why, right? That's their why. It's like, we want to contribute. We know our value. We want to see things be successful. And here, we're just part of this kind of big machine, and they're not really focusing on the people. Everything is about profit, revenue. Market share growth, whatever, and there's just little, maybe even just check the box or nod towards people here and there, and they're leaving. And these are really talented people leaving these organizations. So I think you know what you're saying about those small businesses really have an opportunity to to pull that intellectual capital from some of these larger organizations. And if I'm a large organization, I need to wake up and realize that I need to have the same tenacity behind my business strategy as I do with my people strategy. Because if I don't, then I'm just going to continue to lose that talent. And if I'm a small business, I'm going to be saying I'm going to continue to double down on the things that matter. Yes, I have my product or solution or whatever that is, but people is what's really going to make that, what's going to make that go. And if I can show that culture and I can show that we have this process like what you just talked about then I'm going to be able to pull from those larger organizations, pull that talent in here. And that'll then accelerate. As long as I stay committed to the people, it'll accelerate what I want to do on the business side.
1: You nailed it.
0: (laughs) So, um, you know, are there any kind of final words that you would have for our listeners and also how do they get in touch with you?
1: My final words would be, regardless of the size of your organization, you can compete for top talent. What I typically see is an amazing culture that the leaders aren't even aware that they've developed. They have blind spots, and when we look at all of the things they're doing for their team members, they just need to package it and market it. So the value proposition is there. We just have to uncover it and bring it out to the applicants that are looking for that culture and that feel in an organization. I can be reached at onboardwithus.com or 919-349-0484.
0: Great. Well, yeah, I mean, you do amazing work and, you know, it's, it's, it's been great to be able to just share some of the information today. I know, you know, Terry, you and I had an opportunity to sit down with Jennifer before and we were both talking. We have to, we have to share this because it's so critical. I mean, we work in this space and it's really important for people and leaders to, to listen and uh, realize that, you know, it's, it's critical and it's nice to have help. It's nice to have an expert like
2: That's what I was going to say. Yeah, get the help. If you can't do it yourself, bring in a professional.
0: Yeah, Jennifer, thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate it. And uh, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you today.
1: Likewise. I enjoyed spending time with both of you.